Well, hey, everybody. Welcome. It's Monday during Holy Week, and you're either joining us via podcast, so you're just listening to us, or you're watching us on Facebook Live. But my name is Brian Smith. I'm a lead pastor here at Westview Community Church, and with me, my distinguished partner in crime. Pastor Eric Norris. I'm the pastor of Discipleship and Connection. Occasionally, I get to speak. Yeah. So I think we need to start out with probably the most important question to start is, how's your NCAA bracket holding up? <laughs> well, I'm winning because I didn't complete one. So yeah, I always feel he's like 100%. I'm 100%. Ah, yeah, mine's looking pretty ugly. I'm way down there. But, but if those of you that chimed in, you aren't here to listen about NCAA basketball tournament, but you're actually here to listen about Holy Week. And so we're doing something a little bit different this week. Eric just preached yesterday on Palm Sundays, kicking off Holy Week. But Eric, why is Holy Week? These podcasts are going to go out throughout the week, uh, take us to Good Friday and to Easter Sunday. Why is Holy Week so important? Well, as I mentioned yesterday in this sermon, that everything that about Jesus' life and ministry points to this week. Yeah. And so the events of this week take on a, a very special significance. Uh, and that's something we're going to look at in this week is uh, the significance of each of those events. And as we talked about yesterday, with those events come an unexpected um, part of that event and then there's some things that were expected and then what do we expect uh, yeah. going forward and so that is our whole title this week is unexpected because this week was so unexpected by everybody who was watching Jesus' life, expecting things to happen, and the actual unexpected happened. Not only did unexpected happen on Palm Sunday, it happened on, on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. It just kept happening. Everything was unexpected, and that's what we're doing. We're walking through the actual biblical story. So today's Monday. We're actually covering Monday after Palm Sunday in the Bible, and we're gonna go over what was unexpected on this day. Uh, the, the, the actual subtitle here is Flip the Script, and that's what we're doing. We're walking into uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 12 through 16. Uh, after Palm Sunday's event, Jesus walks into Jerusalem on Monday, and he goes into the temple. And the temple being the most holy place, of course, it's Passover. There's hundreds of thousands coming to the temple. And this, this event we're going to talk about today in Matthew, chapter 21, is they call it the second cleansing of the temple. What that means is this is the second time that Jesus walks into the temple temple and becomes infuriated by what's going on in this holy place of God and so we're going to jump right into there the scripture is relatively short I'm going to share it with you here and so starting in Matthew 21 verses 12 through 16 this was the unexpected event of that week starting in verse 12 the scripture reads Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When we look at this event, it's important to understand the back stage or the back setting for this because you take an ordinary temple week and multiply it, I don't know, exponentially. Because during the time of Passover, you realize that everyone converges on Jerusalem. Yeah. And so this, this small village now becomes a thriving city, all there for the Passover. And then you take that and, and put it inside the temple, 
And that's the, that sets the stage for where we are as Jesus enters this temple. Um, he would have entered the court of Gentiles. Now, when you think about the temple, Brian, think about uh, a series of boxes or rectangles. And if you start in the center of that rectangle, there was the Holy of Holies. And that was a very special box because only one person could enter that once a year. And that was the high priest. He could enter it on the Day of Atonement, which was coming up. Uh, and so only he could fit in that box and then right outside of that you had the holy of holies and again it was a set apart group of people the, the priest could enter the holy of holies um, but a, again a very small number and again once again if you'll reference uh, we pushed this out over social media so you should be able to see this diagram that we're talking about and then outside of these these two boxes of, of set apart for the high priest and the, the priest, you have a series of courts. You have the courts for the priest, and that's where all of the sacrifices are taking place. Uh, so and there was a the, lot of them. There were a lot of sacrifices, yeah. If you've ever read through the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and you might ask yourself, how in the world could they come up with this many animals to, <laughs> for this many sacrifices, and what did they do with all of the blood? Um, that always enters my mind. And so that's taken place in the courts of priests, and then you have the court of Israel, which was specifically designated for Jewish men. You had the court of Jewish women that was only where only the Jewish women were allowed in. And then you had this court of Gentiles. And that's kind of where we're going to start right now. That's where Jesus enters the temple area. And the significance of this is pretty astounding. And so he walks into this. And in the court of Gentiles, that's where all of the exchanges took place. If you were required to bring a sacrifice, as you mentioned, there's a number of sacrifices, that's where you picked up your sacrifice because they had to be holy sacrifices. They had to be unblemished sacrifices. And so that's in the court of Gentiles. You had to have exchange uh, of coins uh, for your, your um, sacrifices as well. That took place. And so this court uh, is not a small court. So It's ginormous. Yeah, think about City Park. Yeah. City Park, if you take City Park and add another quarter to that, that's about the area that the Court of Gentiles encompasses, yeah. uh, that surrounds this little box for the Holy Priest and the Holy of Holies. And so we're talking about a pretty large piece of ground. So in comparison, the inner courts are all fairly small, but the Court of Gentiles, 35 acres, it's massive. That's right. So this series of boxes starts in the center, and you just go out layer yeah. by layer until you get to this Court of Gentiles filled with money changers and animals, uh, sacrificial animals. And uh, you can imagine that. Have you ever been to Garden City? Yeah. Do you remember it? What do you remember it for? Uh, usually the feedlots before you get to town. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and the, the smell. smell. The smell. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and growing in Western Nebraska, same way. You always know right. when you're close, the That's smell right. of money. That's right. say the smell so money. you've been to the county fair. Yep. I, I relate it to um, an animal auction. You walk into an animal auction, it's just chaos. There's one guy that's just yelling out all these numbers and the people around yelling out yep. holding up their numbers. But you remember the smell. And, so, and then the bah, bah, yeah, and all the pigeons sheep, cooing and, and bleeding of sheep yeah. uh, going on and the chaos lowing of mooing of cows and all of that's, that's taking place and so that's the chaos that he walks in and do you really think that's what upset him no no it's not what upset him no. it was uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the smell it wasn't even the fact that they were um, 
you know, getting ready for sacrifices because that's what the whole week, the whole Day of Atonement was about. It was just, it was the atmosphere that they had created inside that because there was little to do with holiness, which means set apart. Yeah. And this was a place that were set apart to worship. And uh, we talk about, we, we can think about set apart, you know, for a place of worship. It was that, but it was a to worship. And when we think about set apart to worship, it's to worship the one true God. Yeah. And, and we'd gotten clear away from that. And, so and the court of the Gentiles was for all the non-Jewish people in the Abrahamic covenant, for all the Gentile people to come and worship. It was a place for anybody who wasn't a Jew. That's why it was so big, because God's desire was to draw all nations to him. Yeah. And another thing that's significant about this whole setting, we've talked about the series of boxes and holy of holies and then the courts, and, the, and it's very segregated. And yeah. you're going to talk about in a moment one of the things that happens, you know, kind of... Uh, that Jesus expected and, and when we were created we were expected for but it, we're going to turn that upside down in a moment but you know the temple was a fairly segregated place everybody had their place their duties um, and, and so that's kind of this, this whole area of the, the temple and the temple courts and the court of Gentiles so tell me about the temple tax so yeah one of the things it's understandable to get the animals the sacrifice system that was there but what is this money changer thing that's going on well to be that when you look at the Jewish law it was a male would come in and represent the family 20 years and older and he would pay a temple tax it was called a half shekel and this is actually a real for those of you who know me I'm a kind of a biblical coin nerd this is actually and we'll push this picture out there on our accounts but this is actually a slab that has on it the actual half shekel this one is about a few years older than the actual event but it's actually from the BC era but this is an actual half shekel it's a shekel of tire so why is so interesting well you can see the levels of why Jesus is so frustrated the levels of oppression that are going on inside here so to what would happen is that Jewish people were not allowed to coin their own coins they were under Rome's rules so basically the denarius all the Roman coins were what you got and they were inferior in quality uh, really low qualities of, of, of gold and silver and so when you came to the temple and you paid a temple tax you had to use by Jewish law the most pure coin well the most pure coin since they didn't have Judean coins was actually this coin the, the shekel of Tyre the shekel of Tyre was the most purest silver coin so it met the qualifications so when you came with your Roman coins they would take your Roman coins and give you a half shekel to pay the temple and they charge you they yeah. jack up the price so now so they're extorting you so not only do they extort you on the cost of the animals because the animals in there were of the purest quality the coins were of the purest quality and they jack charges up so so half shekel for me as a young Jewish man would probably be several days of wage just to come in to try and pay the penalty and sacrifice for the sins of our family. And so you can just imagine their frustration. It's become a big, big, uh, not laundering, but you know, just it's a big scam. And it fills up the Gentile courts, which was what God was using to draw everybody to him. And so, yeah, so take a look at that. What's interesting about this coin, which makes it so much more painful, is the shekel attire has the, the, the false god Malkart on it. You can see his image on one side. It's got an eagle on the other, but it's actually got a false god. You're exchanging coins of Roman coins of the god of Caesar for the god of Tyre to worship the only true god. The Malkart's also Baal. Baal. Yes. And so you can see the levels of frustration and stuff going on here. And you understand why when Jesus walks through the door, he's upset. 
And so that's where we talk about unexpected. You expect the day that Jesus walks into the temple, the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, in the holiest week, the pivotal week of all the Bible. You expect what Jesus walks in and soaks up. It's such a beautiful complex. It's so amazing to behold. And you expect Jesus to walk in and be happy during this holy week, Passover, everybody's coming, and he's not. He actually goes into a fit. I don't want to be careful about using the word rage because maybe God in Jesus never loses control, but he goes into a huge episode of righteous anger and he flips over the tables of the money changers. Money goes flying. He basically disrupts the entire process of people coming in to pay for sacrifice and complete what they come to do on Passover. He not only in the, in the account of Mark flips over the table of the money changers, this is, this is recorded in three of the gospels. In the gospel look it says he drives out those who were selling. So if you can imagine how big the court is, Jesus is driving them out of the temple and not only that, when you go to the Gospel of Mark, it says he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. So he flips over tables. He drives out those who are there. And it's huge complex. And then he keeps them from coming back in and carrying merchandise stuff into the Gentile court, which is a place of worship. He's upset. Righteous anger. And Jesus makes this quote about, you've turned my house, the house of prayer, this Gentile court where all nations come into a den of thieves. And he's quoting Jeremiah, reference there is Jeremiah chapter seven, uh, one through 11, where in verse 11 he says, don't you yourselves admit that this temple, which bears my name, has become a den of thieves. This happened hundreds of years before, again, as they were exploiting God's temple for their own purposes. And Jesus quotes that very verse. You have turned my temple, my house of prayer, into a den of thieves. You can imagine his disciples seeing this. Uh, they, they might not have si seen this side of Jesus before. This yeah. man has been three years, so it was fairly unexpected. And then he makes this reference to this temple which bears my name. Yeah. And so uh, they have to, to grapple with that, too. Uh, who so is he to claim? Who is he? Who is he claiming to be? Yeah. And we've heard this, but is it, is it really true? Um, and so all of this, it just, it's very chaotic, um, very unexpected. Um, yeah. So it, it was, must have been quite a scene. One man and 35 acres. And so it, it, he, must have, uh, he must have been um, doing pretty good at his business. Yeah. And he uses two broad terms that I'll let Eric run with. He drives out and he overturns. Yes. This language is so important in the scripture as we follow. Drives out is a, is a very action-oriented um, phrase, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so it's not he suggested they leave. It's not that uh, he walked around and, you know, asked them to leave. Uh, so there's a physical action taking place. Um, and that physical action is the result of this righteous anger. And I think it's important to, to realize um, an anger, some of the translations use that word anger, but this anger is not maybe anger that, that we you know, would, would feel when we are anger, angry at somebody because they've, they've wronged us. Um, this is an anger that goes much deeper than that. And, and so I compare this, uh, you know, this encounter, you know, why would he become this angry here? And I, I think about an a well-known example of him with the woman at the well who by all accounts was much more sinful and unrighteous than this group of people. Uh, and yet he sits with compassion and, in, and engages her rather than anger. And so that, you know, that contrast has always kind of baffled me a little bit until you understand that it's, 
the righteous anger. This was a group, by and large, of religious. It was for religious function, purposes, and so everything that happened was supposed to be set apart and, and was point toward holiness, and that's where we'd gotten away. And so this, this whole idea of drives out, you know, it, it just is pretty significant. And then he overturns. And when we overturn, it's again, it's more than just the word overturns. He's overturning a whole, um, a whole system right. of what they had believed in. So now we're seeing a new covenant. Um, not only does Jesus drive out those who are abusing what God's temple was designed about, he is overturning the script. He is flipping the script, which is our subtitle. He's flipping the script of what we call the new covenant. He's completely changing the law. And that's what's changed a lot, but he's really fulfilling the law. He's taking that they were bound to the law, and actually this temple would no longer even be needed by what was going to happen on the cross. And so he's flipping the script uh, to move us from the law to grace. And so, it's, we're, so driving out overturning has very, very strong uh, language in here. Um, These are traditions that have been building, you know, since the, the early days of the tabernacle and temple where we have this tendency, you know, that, that we take, you know, these little, um, these little places of obedience that God asks us to be and we multiply them and we turn them into things far different than their original design. And, and so, you know, that's, he's to overturn in, you know, hundreds of years in some instances, uh, yeah. the norm. And when Eric just preached yesterday, he preached about the entrance uh, into Palm Sunday that everybody was expecting Jesus as a military king, as somebody to come in. The, the surrounding Roman pagan world around the temple and all their Jewish rituals with God is they were hoping that Jesus would come and establish a leadership over Israel again, true nation. He would drive out Rome and the Gentiles out of the temple. They, they felt all that was contaminating not only Jerusalem but the temple. And they thought Jesus would come in when he rode in on a donkey on Palm Sunday that he would come in and establish a new order. He would be governor, he would be, he would be the new king, but he would drive out all the pagan garbage and stuff like that and Jesus did actually just the opposite. He didn't clear the temple of the Gentiles. He actually cleared it for the Gentiles and that is so powerful right here. I suppose that if there were any zealots in the place, they were cheering, right? <laughs> they were hey, cheering. Well, our king has finally come. What our we really expected. yeah. And it, what he did is he threw out the old system and essentially he throws open the doors for the new system. So tell and me what happens in verse 14. I so verse 14, you got to pay attention. We got, when we get to the end of the scripture, we read that Jesus said, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you turn into a den of thieves. And most people leave the anger story there. They, they stop. And most people write off verse 14. Verse 14 is so important to connect this into the story. The verse says this. It goes on to read, the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and he healed him. So not only did Jesus drive everything out, bar it from coming back in, clear the place of worship for true worship, the first people he brought in were the people that were trying to clear out. The lame, the blind, he brought them into the temple, which is unheard of. You normally healed them out of the gates, they were kept away, he brought them in, and you see the first new order is that God's temple which is all of us now. We are all his temple. We're all his body. It is welcome. This church is welcome for all. And that, that brings me back to this woman at the well. And the, the whole, when we look at Jesus' ministry as a whole and his purpose, 
it, it is that very thing. It's to welcome all. It's this woman at the well who really, I mean, any normal Jewish man would never go through Samaria and sit with this woman. He welcomes her. He sits yeah. with her. And we see that picture here. And so he's taken, you know, this place that's very segregated. You know, everybody has their place. You have the right. men's court and the women's court and the holy of holies and the holy place. And, and all of a sudden now he's welcomed in, in essence, the world. Yeah. He's welcomed the world in to be healed. Which takes us all the way back to God's first promise to Abraham that all nations will be brought to him through Abraham and we're seeing this happen now in a whole new way. And be blessed. And be blessed. Yes, and be blessed. So should we talk about, we've talked about unexpected. We talk about everything Jesus did was expected. He knew, he knows what it takes to take care of the new world order as he came in and cleaned house in essence what he did. So what can we talk about now? Of how, what can we, instead of just hearing a good story, what can we take home? What should we expect after we hear the story on Monday, which is building up to a big event on Friday and Sunday? And this is important because it, I think it's easy, pretty easy for us, um, us being Christ followers, Christians, to see Easter and Holy Week as just a liturgical event, something right. we mark on the calendar, much like Advent, where we make sure we do all the, the four Sundays of Advent. Um, and, and it's just another story. Right. Until we, unless we take this and say, all right, what does that mean for me? Yeah. What does this event, how does it change my walk uh, going forward? Hey, can I add one story just off a little bit? It's all completely off script. We remember one time our youngest son, Jason, he was like in third grade, second grade, and he come back from school and got in trouble. And, uh, and he got angry. And we sat him down and said, you can't get angry and you can't behave like that. And he said, well, Jesus did when he went into the temple. <laughs> third grade. And I remember looking at my wife, Karen, and I was like, how do we answer that one? It was like, uh, so then we had to delve into, go back and study about righteous anger versus his anger wasn't as righteous. But when a, well, yeah, when a third grader tells you yeah, how come Jesus can be angry and I can't and I get in trouble and get grounded? So, so that's our first is that, yeah, in righteous anger, zealot anger for, for God and his kingdom, it's okay. We always like to say we have a, a rogue church for the kingdom. We like to be rogue. And so the first thing I think we talk about applications for us is one thing we think of today, the temple is a temple, the body of believers. We are the church. Uh, we are the God's plan A for the redemption of the world and that we can never allow never allow our church community to, to degenerate into a place that's just for us. A place where we can live uh, without others, where we can live in our own sin, we can be unrepentant, and we cannot care about the others outside. Whenever this church becomes inward focused, we're doing the same thing they did way back 2,000 years ago where it became about them versus God's plan through us. So never allow never allow each generation here in our church never allow us to degenerate into a place that's just for us you've probably heard this said before but the church is the one uh, the one place where we exist for those outside of our membership yeah, yeah. and so we it's a great saying keep that in mind that, yeah uh, although we meet here every sunday you know us regulars uh, we exist not for us regulars we exist for to bring the gentiles in yeah and so knowing that eric you run with the second point. This is a beautiful well, point. Well, I, I think the second point goes to relationship. We talk about relationships a whole lot, and that I've shared my story several times in this body that I grew up understanding all about the Holy of Holies yeah. and uh, how much God was a God of thou shalt nots. And 
when I learned that there's much more to, to God than that thou shalt not, that he wanted to have a relationship with me, and that was a changing point in my, in my faith walk, and I think this story helps us with that. This is a time to remind us that, that not only do our doors need to be open, our hearts need to be open. Yes. That we need to be welcoming um, yes. church-wide uh, to those that you know, may not look like me, to those who may not think like me, um, that uh, the, the time for, uh, and we're going to get to the, you know, later on, the curtain rips, and we'll talk about the significance of that, but all are welcome. Yeah. Um, because of the events of this week, and this, the relational component here is that we're to reach out. We have a mandate, you know, to welcome in those that are hurting and to, to build bridges of relationship, not just to be in relationship, but to point them to uh, this temple who bears his name. And this, this Jesus who um, we celebrate this week. And so, uh, you know, I think that's pretty significant, the whole idea of relationship versus religion. Uh, Jesus overturned the religious part, you know, thou yeah. shalt not, uh, you know, this den of thieves. And then uh, he opened up this door to relationships when he welcomed this lame man in and healed yeah. him. Yeah, and that same thing, our... I want to be careful and just say that that's our application is that we, fly, we fling open the doors of this church and it all can come in here. But before that ever works, just as Eric said, you have to, we all have to fling open the gates to our heart first. People are not going to come up to this hill and walk into a building, but they will walk into the heart of your life and meet them where they're at. This is the most holy week, one of the most holy weeks of the year. Yeah. And in fact, fling it open. Yeah, in fact, you know, in our world today, which is much different than when you and I were kids, as far as is how we view uh, even the events of this week, um, is we, we mostly live now in this post-Christian where you know, people don't understand this. Yeah. Where are they going to learn it then? They're going to learn it in you and me and, and what we do, how we apply um, the events of this week. And, and I think the point we see here too is like if we fling these doors wide open, if I fling the doors of my heart wide, wide open, it's going to get messy, right? And it's like the lame and the sick came in and the spiritually the spiritually lost are going to come in and then it's going to be beautiful because just as Jesus did, he's going to heal through us. He's going to heal everybody through us. And that's how the spirit works. That's how Christ works. And that's what this week is all about. Yeah. And I'm sure we've missed something in the story that, uh, that we'll uh, be reminded of later. But yeah. um, I just, I think it's a great story. It's a neat story. Um, and it just, it's uh, overpowering every year when we, we hit this week. It's just a great reminder of the purpose of how unexpected it was um, and then what we can expect as a result of this and until we make that connection it's just another story so yeah. I would encourage encourage all of us listening is that let's not just go through a week where we check off well this was the Monday event this was the Tuesday event how does that change my life today that's right how do I overturn the tables in my life yeah. um, and so that's uh, that's I think what we need to take away from this. So I'm going to ask Eric to close us in prayer, but before, just so you know, during Holy Week, we will have a podcast on Tuesday. We will skip Wednesday. We'll have a podcast Facebook Live also on Thursday. Then we'll be back here live on Good Friday. Come and hang out with us on Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday, obviously, we'll be, we'll be live here too and also live on Facebook and live stream during those times. But we're marching all through Holy Week except for Wednesday and Saturday. So I'd really encourage you to invite a friend uh, to come here invite a friend to listen to our podcasts are available anytime you can play them anytime on, on, your, on your phone or on your computer anywhere you're at 
and then, or to join you on Facebook Live with us on the scheduled days this week. So we're really glad you're all with us. And Eric, would you take us home? I will, I will. Let's pray. Father, how good you are. Um, how good you are to, uh, to send your son to overturn the tables of our life, to uh, show us the way that we can be in relationship, to get past the religion uh, of our lives and so that we can get into the relationship of our lives. Father, thank you for the examples that you set before us. Thank you for this time that we have to remember uh, the events of this week. And thank you most of all that we get to look forward to. And the disciples at this time, they didn't know about sunrise service, but we have that to look forward to that in a few days uh, after some of the horrid events that happened late week, that we get to celebrate sunrise service, uh, that moment mm. when you rose from the dead. And so, Father, thank you for all of that. And Lord, help me help us to take from this discussion whatever I need to take that would strengthen my walk and my relationship with you, not just so that I could be stronger, but so that I could be a, a bigger influence and a, a brighter light to those that you uh, put in my path. So Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this truth. And Lord, just uh, help us to, uh, to soak in the events of this week and understand your great love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, my brother. We'll see you all on Tuesday. Go fling open those gates. Have a great week. We'll talk to you tomorrow.